0: Hi, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thanks, mate. Fantastic. Who's got a Bible? If you have, come with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 24. If you haven't, just look at the screen. I'm just really excited about this morning, about what I want to share with you. I'm going to keep it down to an hour and a half, if I possibly can. Listen to what the first part of this verse says. It says, The way of life winds upward for the wise. How many like that? I don't like that. I mean, I like the upward part. I don't like the winding parts. How many would prefer you just went straight up? I don't mean to heaven. I just mean in life, that it was a, a straight journey from glory to glory, strength to strength, no bends and twists in the turn, in the on the journey. How many would like that? I'd love that. I just think that would be awesome. But it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the way of life winds its way upward. And I have found in my life, that if anything, it is a bunch of bends and twists. Has anybody's life worked out the way you thought it would? You don't know. It's only me. It never does, does it? It's not about life without problems. There's a, a, a journey, a twisting, a, 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 a bending. You know, I was just thinking about it this morning, in the last six months of my life, just six months, like I'm 35 and a half now. In the last six months, I've had had one of my children go through probably one of the toughest challenges in their life. I've had a daughter have a pretty bad accident and break herself up pretty bad. I've had two daughters-in-law tell me they're pregnant. I've had one lose the baby. I've had, in my work life, I've been overseeing the planting of several churches. I've had two split. I've had, I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me here today, I'm just trying to, just trying to illustrate a point. How many know that you have some ups and you have some downs? Winston Churchill said this, he said, success is not final, failure not fatal, It's the courage to continue that counts. I've got an illustration up there because I'm a mad motorbike rider. I've got this illustration, a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. And what I want to do is encourage us this morning that in spite of what it looks like right now, there is a promise in Proverbs 24, it's not a promise that you won't have a life without winding, but you will have a life that goes upward. And sometimes, in the, the bends and the twists of life, we can lose sight of the overall picture of what God wants to do with us. We can get disappointed. We can lose energy. We can, we can, we can believe that God's forgotten about us. We can, here's, here's the biggest danger of getting caught up in the now, is we rationalize our faith down to our circumstance. And we figure out, that, or we, we make up our mind, that the way it is now is the way it's always going to be. Ever, anybody ever thought God must have forgotten? I've thought that every other week, you know? Well, God, what about this? What about that? Another bend, another twist. But hang on, the journey is upward, says the Word of God. I want to declare over your life this morning that however you feel, whatever bend or twist or wind you're in the middle of right now, your journey in God's plan is to take you forward. Amen? To take you on. That it is not, I've got this saying, if you're still sucking oxygen, God's not finished. Another one. How many people saw a few years ago this movie called the world's greatest Marigold Hotel, something like that. Anybody ever see that? That little Indian fella? I love his statement. I love it he- all through the movie. It'll be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it must not yet be the end. It'll be all right in the end. Because God is taking us upward. Even, even if we lose our life here, we still go upward. If we know Christ, amen. So I want to just encourage us this morning that whatever life looks like right now, God has a plan to perfect your life. I will perfect those things which concern you. How many know in my life he's got a lot of perfecting still to do? You don't have to agree too much. But sometimes we just lose sight of what God is doing in the overall picture Because of where we are right now. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, it's not on the screen, is found in uh, Philippians 1 verse 6, where the, the Apostle Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who started a good work in you is able to finish it. How many believe that? Here's Paul. I am fully persuaded. That's a different version. That's the ungodly version. (laughs) I am fully persuaded. I am confident of this very thing. Are you fully persuaded this morning? Are you fully persuaded that he who started something is going to finish it? I mean, I'm more excited than you are. You're looking at me funny. That's why I'm preaching this message to you this morning. Because some people aren't fully persuaded. The Apostle Paul, you must remember in writing those words, is in jail. He's being beaten. He doesn't know what his future holds. But he says to the church, I'm fully persuaded. Because whatever is happening, whatever bend, twist, wind in my road right now, those bends aren't in charge. God's in charge. And he's taken me upward in Jesus' name. So this morning, I've got a message for you that I pray will stir your heart that whatever prison you seem to be in, you'll walk out of this place fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that he who started something in Jesus' name is well able to finish it. In your life and in the life of this church, God started something and he wants to finish it. It's our job to stay in the race to stay on the road. We're not in control of all the events that happen, but if we stay on the road, it's going up. In Jesus' name. How many believe that this morning? Have a look with me. Have you realized there is a distance between the start of something and the end of something? In God's economy, sometimes there's a big distance. I wonder. I I love the the verse in the book of Hebrews that tells me by faith we inherit the promises. Yeah? But there's another part of the verse. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Don't you love patience, Bob? I oh, hate you do not. Nobody likes that. Through faith, And patience. And I just believe this morning that there are people here that God has promised some things. And He wants you to know He's not forgotten His promise. He wants you to know that He's not forgotten His plan. He wants you to know that, that whatever you've been waiting on, whatever He's told you, whatever He's promised you, that the promises of God are yes and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. And sometimes along the way, we let our faith uh, drain out. We let our expectation drain out. We actually start to come under in a, in a spirit of unbelief. We start to come under the pressure of it all. And we say, well, we'll just wait and see. When Jesus comes back. God does not want a church just waiting to see Him when Jesus comes back. God wants a church laying hold of the promises He's got for our lives, knowing the promises He's got for our lives, shaking the spirit world around about us and embracing in a spirit of faith and anticipation that we've got a brighter future than our past. Amen? I'm not trying to give you a motivational speech this morning. I'm trying to anchor you in the promises that God has for your life. Come with me to the book of Genesis chapter uh, 12 this morning. I want to just share some thoughts about promises. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 and verses 6 and 7. The Lord comes to Abram at that stage. Remember last week I talked, to well, the last time I preached. By the way, Pateria, oh, well, she doesn't really apologize. She's not here this morning, you might have noticed. Uh, we had a quarrel on the way to work, on the way to church. and No, that's not quite true. She's run a ladies, a, a leadership ladies retreat or workshop for the last three days. And did I see Judy McCoy down there? Judy did all the cooking and catering and all that for it. Thank you so much, Judy. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But anyway, she's still down there cleaning up from that whole thing. Here we go. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Verse six, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebranth tree at Marah and the Canaanites were then in the land and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants I will give this land and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him look at Genesis chapter 12 it is a place to Abram of promise say place of promise It's the place that God came to him and said, this is what I'm going to do with your life. You're going to be a great blessing. I'm going to give you this land. You're going to inherit this land, you and your peoples. I'm going to make you a great nation. How many know it's a place of great promise? And as you know, you Bible scholars, everything went really easy for Abram from there on in. There were no bends, there were no twists, there were no, there, there, there were no uh, uh, hiccups in the road. Everything went really smoothly. Is that right? I mean, this is the start of problems. Sometimes the promises of God seem to be the place problems start. I was just minding my own business before you gave me a promise, said Abram. I was just out there enjoying the things of my father's house. You come and give me a promise and then all hell breaks loose. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like you've said yes or responded to a promise of God or to a, a dream of God, and then all sort of things start to look like they've gone, got, gone to custard? Yeah, welcome to Abram's life. First thing I want to say to you this morning, though, I love this part of this passage. Is what Abram does? First thing he does at this place of promise is he builds an altar. He builds an altar. To the Lord, you know, an altar is two things. An altar is a place of worship, but also it's a place of remembrance. And what 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 Abram does is, at the place of promise, he makes it a place of worship, and he makes it a place of remembrance. You know why he had to do that? Because he knew a lot of things were going to try and take the promise away from him. He knew that he was. Oh, he didn't know, but but but. But he, it was a place he was able to come back to when it seemed like the promise wasn't coming. It was a place he was able to come back to declare. But God, whilst I'm I'm in the famine in Egypt or in the wilderness, you made me a promise. God, when I've I've got sick and it doesn't seem like it's happening, you made me a promise. But God, when I feel defeated and unbelieving and the winds of life are making me come under, you made me a promise. You know what we've got to be able to do is we've got to learn to build altars at the places of God's promise in our life because there's a distance between the giving of the promise and the inheritance thereof. How many can say amen to that? i got promises. I'm not, I had to, I've had to learn to do this. But I've got altars in my life for promises that I'm still believing God for. I'll tell you one of them. Before this existed, we used to just have church in the back section. Some of you are old enough to remember that. That was the first part. I was a banker when we built that. I actually financed the thing. And... And so it was a 20 by 20 square hall, and we were, we, that was the place of, of worship. I have a son, my oldest son. He's occasionally in church, not very often, but spent probably a decade out of church on the wild side. I want to tell you my altar. One day in that building, there was a musician, minister by the name of Peter Shirley, playing. My son was 10 Peter Shirley gave an altar call and my son of his own volition came out of the aisle, went up to the front and received Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. That's my altar. He's now 32. It's 22 years. Last 10 of it, 12 of it haven't been all that good to him and it's been a struggle for Terry and I. But you know something in the midst of the bends and the twists, I believe a, seed of, believe a seed of faith was placed into his life that day. And every time I pray for him, I don't pray, God, would you save him? I go back to that altar and I say, God, in that place, you put the promise of salvation in his heart. So I'm going to worship you at that altar and I'm going to claim his life for you because God, you promised and he who promised is faithful. Can somebody say amen to that? We need to be a people that build altars because there's a distance between when we receive it and when we get it, between when God gives it to us and when we walk in it. Amen? There are many things in my life I'm still believing God for. I don't know. I made so many mistakes that I, I, I just sometimes think, man, have I made too many to ever get the promises of God? But here's the thing. I believe that it, it's not up to me. God's the one who decided my end from my beginning. God's the one that put the seed in me. So God's the one who's faithful to see it come to pass. Amen? Right now, right now, as I'm speaking, I'm praying for you that God will bring alive some things that have, maybe through disappointment, maybe through failure, maybe through, through age, maybe through whatever it is, but I believe the Holy Ghost wants to bring things alive again this morning in our spirit. Terry spoke. The reason I decided to go this way. Terry spoke last week about the, the seed that was in Mary and the seed that was in Elizabeth. You know, that was seed that God poured in. That was promised that God poured in. But you know what we've got to do with that seed is we've got to build altars. We've got to pray it through. We've got to stay on the road. We've got to not let disappointment take us and put us aside. How many people don't come to church today because of promises? They'll be sorry, because of disappointments, failures, whatever it is, if we can just get them back in the road, God, God will do what He planned to do all along. Amen? Come with me to Joshua chapter 1. You know, can I just before we go to Joshua? When I first came to this church, it was only a little while after it had been birthed. And Pastors Mark and Lee Ramsey were there. Some of the people in the auditorium, thank God for them, were there at that time. And I, never, I can never forget our vision statement. Now, I know the vision statement is different today. That's not a problem. It's the intent of the vision. That's the most appropriate and pertinent thing. But I remember that, and I didn't found the church, Mark and Lee did, but I remember, and some of you may remember this, that our vision statement was this, and I believe totally the plan of God for this church. It went something like, we are here not just to build the church, but to change a community and to influence the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to go back to, and reminisce over some, some emotional vision statement, but I'm here to declare to you today that that's still God's plan for this church. That we're here not just to, about ourselves to build the church. We're here to change a community. We're here to make a difference. And we're here to influence the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that resonate with you today? See, sometimes we think, man, we haven't changed the community. Well, it's not over. It's not yet the end. God still birthed it. It may not be my generation. It may be not the next one. But I fully believe and am fully persuaded that that is why God started Nusa COC. It wasn't just to be a nice church. It was to change and influence the world around about us. Someone say amen to that this morning. We need to be people that go back into history, not to live in the yesterday, but to believe that God started something in the yesterday with a very real plan and a very... Real purpose. Joshua, you reckon you've waited. Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless them that bless you. And everywhere you see, I'm going to give you that land. 750 years later, we come to Joshua. We've seen... Mistakes. We've seen persecution. We've seen famine. We've seen 400 years in Egypt in slavery. We've seen 40 years in the desert. And God's about to deliver his promise. I wonder how Abraham feels. I mean, 750 years. But God, in his time, is about to do what he promised. In verse 1 of Joshua 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. God is a stater of the obvious sometimes. They have just mourned. I want you to catch this. Because we can read this and say, yep, yeah, it's just a statement in Scripture. No, it's not. The prophet, the one that led them out of Egypt, and the one that led them out by the hand of God through 40 years, the one who, who defended them before God so they still live. How many know he's a pretty big guy? How many know that, that, that Moses commands a lot of respect? How many know that a lot of people, hear me, had put hope in Moses? And all of a sudden, Moses is gone. You ever had that with your life? The thing that you thought was going to be the, the vehicle of your promise? That which, that, the road that was going to take you to where you thought God wanted you is gone? I've had that time and again. I don't know where I am anymore. I don't even know what road I'm on. I just hope God knows what road I'm on. But, but here's this this, this, this you know, the Bible says that there's never been a prophet like Moses again. He's a pretty big deal. They've mourned him 30 days. They can't find his grave because God knows what people are like. If they found his grave, they'd build a monument there and they'd still be there. And God comes and he says to the people of Israel, in my terms, he said, look, Moses is dead dead. Moses, the servant, is dead, but God, the master's not. The vehicle which served you to this point, I'm about to change it, but I'm still alive. I'm the one that made the promise. I'm the one that's going to deliver the promise. You put your hope in a man, but no, it's not in a man. It's in the power of God to keep you in spite of the bends and the twists and the turns along the way. Moses, my servant, That which served you before isn't necessarily going to be the thing that serves you tomorrow, but God is not finished. Moses, what's happened in your life to cause you to be disappointed? What's happened in your life that's caused you to give up on some of the promises of God? Look, the older I get, the less I try to understand everything. I got no idea. You know, my favorite scripture these days is his, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I give up trying to think his thoughts. I just want to follow. I just want to do what he wants me to do and believe that he's got it in hand. You know what I mean? That's not fatalistic. That's just, I just don't know why things happen. I don't know why some people get healed and some people don't. I don't know why certain things like that happen. But here's the thing. I'm still confident and I'm still fully persuaded that he who's on the throne is going to be on the throne until Jesus comes back. Amen? Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, as I said to Jacob, as I said to Israel. As I said to Abraham, does the promise sound familiar? Every place, because you know something? God doesn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind in 750 years for the people of Israel, and he hasn't changed his mind about your life. He hasn't changed his mind about this church. He hasn't changed his mind about one iota of it, because he who started it is able to finish it in Jesus' name this morning. But our thing, our job, our role, is to arise. Now, therefore, how would you like to be Joshua? The greatest leader ever known is departed and God hands the baton to you. Now, you go over there and by the way, this Jordan is in flood. And by the way, you better be strong. And by the way, you better get some courage. Three times, between the end of Deuteronomy and, and about the second chapter of Joshua, God, Moses, the people tell Joshua, you better be strong. And you better have some courage. Because where I'm about to take you, you're going to need those things. How many are excited? You've got to be strong to walk into your future. You've got to arise to walk into your future. This is no small thing that God is coming to Joshua. He's saying to Joshua, look, I understand that Moses, he's fulfilled his destiny. He's with me right now. How many think Moses got ripped off? I do. (laughs) I really think he got, but anyway, he went to glory. That's another message. But he's saying to Joshua, hey, listen, I want you, Joshua, even in the midst of your mourning, even in the midst of the Jordan being in flood, even in the midst of the winds and bends in the road, I want you to get some faith in your spirit, some courage in your heart to lift up, to get strong on the inside and arise because the promise I made, I'm about to deliver. In Jesus' name, I believe that. You're still looking at me funny. I'm not stopping talking until you believe me. He says to Joshua, you know, it takes faith to arise particularly in the midst of, of, of circumstances, I mean. I mean, you know, some of the things, I don't want to make light of them, that even Terry and I have, have, have been through in, in just recent months, family-type stuff with our kids. I mean, it, it crushes you. It, it, it impacts you. It affects you. And you think, man, I was believing for this God, and now I've got this God. What's going on here? And then he says, Gary, get up. I'm not finished yet. I was just I was preparing this message this morning. Hey. No, I wasn't. I prepared it before. I was praying it through this morning, just in case you think I didn't do any work this week. And you know, I'm in the office up the back and I just couldn't get my daughter out of my spirit, you know. So I just texted her. I said, Hey babe, looks pretty hard right now, I know that. But just know this, God's not finished. What he's doing right now in you and in your circumstances, you're going to come through because his plan for you has never changed. You know, She just said, yes, Dad. You know what kids are like. You know what daughters are like. She didn't. She said, thanks, Dad. But sometimes we've got to remind each other, hey, sometimes. you know That's why God puts us in a church. That's why God puts us in a community. Not to fill up pews, but to, but to help each other. You know, Hebrews 10 let us consider each other in order to stir up, love, good works, incite one another to, to keep in the journey. That's what church is about, eh? I love it. You know, sometimes when, when, when my boss, Ross Abraham, who's running this conference, he walks into my office and says, come on, guys, get up. You would think I'm always up, wouldn't you? No. He says, come on, get up. We can do this thing. It's gone a bit sour, but we can do this thing. Come on, let's arise. Let's go over this Jordan. That's why we need each other to hold each other accountable, to keep walking in the things of God until we see His plan come to pass. This morning, therefore arise, let's go over this Jordan. It takes faith to arise. It takes a letting go of the past to arise. Moses, how many people like change? Few of us. How many people like to change? If you're going to arise and go over the Jordan challenges of life, you not only have to have faith, you have to be prepared to let go of what was. Moses, my servant, is dead. That which brought you to here is not that which will get you over the Jordan. Now, I know Noosa COC never settled down into the ways of the past. It's just me. But the older I get, the more of a challenge it is to allow my thinking to change because I liked what got me here. I liked Moses. But Moses, see, see the people of Israel had to learn a whole new skill set to take the promised land. They didn't have, you know, in in, in the wilderness, they never cooked for themselves. They never provided for themselves. Their clothes never wore out. They never fought battles. God fought them for them. All they did was follow the prophet and just... mm, All of a sudden, they go into the promised land. And they got to fight their own battles. They got to do their own food. And the things of Moses was not going to be the things that sustained them into the new day. And I find that as as I do get older, an incredibly challenging thought that I've loved what got me here. But I got to change it. I mean, this (laughs) I had this lesson a a few years ago, my wonderful wife uh, decided I needed to exercise. No, she didn't really. Well, I did. But I was a bit bored with what I was doing. It's because I had some leg problems and all that. Um, I couldn't run or I couldn't do anything on my legs. So she had this great idea that, 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 that you should take up paddling. So I thought, what a great idea. So I bought a kayak. And I put it in the river and I fell out straight away. She's got it on film and you're not seeing it. But anyway, as time went on, I got a little bit proficient in paddling this kayak. So like all men, as I got proficient, what did I want? A faster kayak. So I bought another kayak. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. But I had this strange thought. After two years of paddling, I had this thought that maybe it would be an idea to find out if I'm doing it right. I know only men would do that, okay? I can do this. I don't need an instruction manual. I don't need an instructor. I don't need anything else. I can paddle this thing. What's to it? Just get in, stroke, and go forward. So I want to get better. So I take myself along to a paddle coach. I pick an ex-Olympian of all people. And you know what she changed? Everything. Everything I had to forget everything I was doing and learn everything over again because I was doing everything that got me there, but everything I'd done to get me there had to change for me to get here. And then I did what all men do. I went and bought another one last year. My wife can't understand it. I need a bigger shed. My wife doesn't understand why I need bigger motorbikes or more kayaks or skis or whatever it is. Women, you don't get them, Ben, do you? But anyway, you get my point? If I'm going to walk into the promises, see, God's faithful to finish that which he started, but there's a requirement of me to rise and let God equip me and skill me for the future. Let me, let me, let me challenge you with this thought, church. If we're here to change a community by seeing people come to Christ and we're not, we've got to change. Are you run out of town for saying that? We've got to change. Because we can say we want to change a community and impact the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I want to be a better paddler, I don't want to just say I want to be a better parent. I've got to put the change in my life that allows me to do it better. If I want to be a better parent, if I want to be a better follower of Christ, if I want to be a better whatever you want to be a better of, if you want to therefore rise into the promises of God, there's going to come a time where you've got to say, well, that got me to here, but I've got to put some new things in. And look, I'm not talking about age here. You can, you can be like this. I, you know, Joshua's got to be at least 80 years of age by my maths at this point. And he comes and he says, hey, you are doing things, therefore let us arise in Jesus' name.